BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Schmozone podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Fusion CBD products. I love this stuff. They're always bringing out some awesome, awesome stuff to the market. They got their cardio CBD energy mix. They got their muscle and joint products. They got their Slim Fast, their Intense CBD Relief Rub, and of course, their Fusion CBD Sports Water, which the Schmo and myself drinks all the time. I love this stuff. Get 20% off by using the promo code SCHMO at FusionCBDProducts.com. CBD, everybody. It works. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Schmozone Podcast, episode 39. I'm Dave Schmolenson, a.k.a. the Schmo. My co-host is... Helen Yee Sports. Now, if you have a problem with me saying sports, then don't listen. Mute it. Somebody reads the comments a little too much over here. Oh, yeah. You know, it... Well... Here's here's what really happens. You know, sometimes you're just like scrolling, right? Just, okay, whatever. Got some time. And then you come across one or two of them and you're like, you know what? I, I want to write back. And then I write back and then I delete it. And I'm, I'm like, you know what? Why not just say it right now? So. Yeah and-, yeah. and I also have to add, because I've been keeping this in for a long time. I think why you say Helene Sports, for those who are wondering, and I know you're giving me a look right now, but you know how you say, oh, I'm Dave Schmolenson, a.k.a. The Schmo, right? So Helen Ye Sports is actually my Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube handle. So it's like all my handles. So that's kind of why I say that. And also, after you your introduction, my name is so short, Helen Ye. I feel like I need another syllable. You know what I'm saying? Fair enough. She is starting off on a rant. Jet lag is not affecting you, or is it? We are a day out from coming back from Abu Dhabi. Came back early this morning. We went twice in the past couple of weeks, two stints. So we are fresh on this time zone, and we are staying awake I love Trying. your shirt. I love your shirt. She's sporting the Ben Thank Askren you. shirt. Ladies and gentlemen, we do have a guest today. It's the one and only Ben Askren, but he's going to be joining in in about 10, 15 minutes from now. We're going to recap some UFC uh, Fight Island stuff. 254. Uh, 254, and I'm sporting my Korean zombie shirt. Look, the Korean zombie gave this to me after I interviewed him. I said, hey, you get the victory. I'll wear the shirt. Well, guess what? He didn't get the victory. He still fought like hell. He's still a hell of a fighter. And we're sporting this amazing Korean zombie shirt. I love that you keep your word. And yes, I did see he kept giving you nonstop gifts. He did. The he did. gift that keeps on giving. You know, we do the interview. <laughs> I, I say, 
Anihaseo, the only Korean word that I remembered <laughs> off the top of my head. Uh, the hello, you know, the greeting. And then, you know, after the interview, because Coach Eddie Cha, shout out to him. Great coach. Yes. He translated the whole interview. You know, he's the moderator. Um, he said, hey, Zombie wants to give you some gifts. So Zombie gave me this shirt. He gave me a different shirt. He gave me a hat. He's like, oh, these shirts, by the <laughs> way, are selling for like $50. They're already sold out over overseas in the Korean market. I'm like, oh, shoot. Nice. Thank you. I'm going to wear it. Yeah. And even though it was like a XL or 2XL, he's like, oh, no, here, take it anyway. XL, 3XL. Yeah, I said I'm a large, but uh, here, I we just got an XL, so I'm sporting an XL shirt. You know, I, I'm swimming in it just slightly, but uh, it's a nice shirt. What did you say afterwards when, remember he responded to you in Korean, then you said... You spoke Spanish. I spoke Spanish because I studied Spanish for six, seven years growing up through school. And it's like the one language where I'll resort to um, if I'm going to say something that's not in English when I'm speaking to somebody who doesn't speak English. Yeah, so what'd you say? Uh, muy bien, uh, too, oh, or something like bien, that. Because yeah. he's like, how are you? And I'm like, um, you know, bien, you too, or something. I'm good. How are yeah, you? Yeah, you did say muy Something bien. like that. Something oh, like you're that. so cute. So timid right now. But... Yeah, isn't it kind of hard to do an interview in another language? Do you know how I feel yes, now? Yes, Helen, and oh you have another God. one coming up because... Hopefully next week, yes. And we'll throw this into the universe too because uh, hopefully you can uh, have that job one day where you're translating in the octagon, outside the octagon, for those UFC spiders that speak the Chinese language. Yeah, that that is Both Mandarin and Cantonese? Uh, hey, what... <laughs> Walk before you can run, right? Crawl before you can walk. Uh, Mandarin, you know, I that's something that my parents still speak to me in. Uh, Cantonese actually was the very first language that I learned. It went Cantonese, then Mandarin, then English. And uh, Cantonese, it's like when they... I don't say it enough. I don't speak it enough. So now I can understand and listen but it's it is a lot harder for me to speak but mandarin 100% but even though you know getting ready for those interviews i still get really nervous because like the tones and i'm not talking to my mom like 24 hours a day right i'm not watching like mandarin tv shows every day which i probably should i try to listen to the music on the flight i watch the mandarin movie so i'm always trying to get it in my mind but then when you're speaking it it's like your brain works backwards then english it's like going the other way yeah but for the record just for everybody listening i know you speak that language with your parents you know you always say to me <laughs> esl english second language when you say to me so you got to make up your mind which one's your first language is it english or is it uh, i mean mandarin i'm just look they're both second language <laughs> uh -huh. my first language eating food Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. What? Well, oh. do we have our guests coming in already, Travis? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, you know, we'll just bring them in. We'll just yeah. talk UFC already. Cool. Ben Askren, let's bring him in. Ben, there he is. Hey, there's the young superstar. There he is. Okay. Oh, he can't hear us. Oh. Can I just give a quick shout out? Yeah. To my teammate, who's way, way faster than me, but I'm so proud of her, Kasha Wasik. You know, I'm training, I'm swimming. Is that Ben? He hasn't figured it out yet. Oh, he hasn't figured it That's out yet. That's why we try to do the test before. 
yeah. the show. But look, I mean, this is literally giving you a behind the scenes look, right? It is a behind <laughs> the scenes look. Literally, this is what we're going through. But just quick shout out. She won the 50 free number seven ranked all time in that event, short course meters. She won that in the ISL yesterday. So I'm so proud of her and so honored to know her. She's been a great support system trying to help me train for my goals, 2024 Olympic trials. But I mean, she's killing it and you heard it here first. I do believe Where? she will win the gold medal next year. Excellent. Excellent. Can you guys hear me now? I can hear you. Ben. Can, can you, you hear, hear us? us? Yeah. I don't know why my, uh, I have, you know, a microphone and headphones set up for my podcast and it was, uh, I have no idea why it wasn't working. Hey, I can try the... one more time if you want. What? Well, I can we're... try one more time. It'll sound better. I mean, whatever you want, young superstar. Are we live right now? Are we live? Are we, yeah. we are live, but it's okay. Look, it's crazy. okay. Oh my gosh, look at that shit. Do you see us or no? Yeah, I see you guys. What a tremendous shirt. Oh, I love it. It's my favorite shirt. I just washed it too. Nice. Um, we, we appreciate you coming on the show, young superstar. Yeah. I'm sorry I, I, I messed up the dinner plans. We wanted to test it beforehand, but it's okay. You're here now. It's, it's okay. I was finishing as you were texting me. Uh, it, was a, it was a delicious dinner. I made some spaghetti. I made Ooh. some goat cheese and red pepper bruschetta and some Caesar Damn. salad. Wait, so you made it all? Well, I mean, like, this, this, they, I mean... I didn't make it from scratch, right? It's not like I'm super chef, but yes, I did make it. I did make it all. Superstar, but not super chef, because David loves to cook. So I, I was gonna oh, really? suggest a cook off. I do love to cook. What else are you gonna do during this pandemic, right? <laughs> when you text me and told me you're gonna be David tonight, I'm like, who are you gonna be? I don't know who you're gonna be. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Hey, fair enough, fair enough, young superstar. We just got back from Fight Island. We're a little jet-lagged, but we figure there's no better person to talk UFC breaking news with than the young superstar Ben Askren. So, so how long did you guys stay on Fight Island for? Well, we went out for the first stint. We were there from September okay. 19th through the 27th through for UFC 253. Then we came home for a week and a half, and we came and we went back October 9th for the Korean Zombie Ortega fight and stayed up Ooh. until yesterday through, wow. through 254. Yeah. yeah, nice. So we're we're kind of running on fumes. Nice. That's something like a fun trip, though. It is. It's definitely a fun trip. Uh, we want to. There's so much to talk about. Let's just Absolutely. dive right into it. Let's just start talk some UFC. I want to start with uh, Michael Chandler, someone who looks up to you. Yeah. Uh, your former teammate, Missouri wrestler. Uh, he's the new guy coming into the UFC. You know what that's all about. You, by the way, the former welterweight champion of both one championship and Bellator. Michael Chandler, three-time lightweight champion at Bellator. Uh, he comes in, he's the alternate, you know, maybe fighting Justin Gaethje, maybe fighting Habib Narmagomedov if somebody pulls off. And then you have a situation where number 12, Islam Melkachev, he needed an opponent because RDA came off because of COVID. Um, everyone thought, or a lot of Habib fans were like, Michael Chandler, you're there, you're making weight. Why don't you fight Islam Melkachev? That actually made sense to me. I'm not sure why he didn't do that. I, I don't remember what his explanation was. Well, he's preparing for two potential opponents in a Habib and a, um, uh, a Justin Gaethje. You're, now you're trying to tell him to prepare for a third one on a week's notice? 
Well, you know what I would say? I would say number one, he's been fighting for a long time, so it's not gonna he's not gonna change all that much. Number two, if you look at the people who became popular recently, hey, go away, Alex. I'm gonna start my daughter's <laughs> harassing me. Yeah, I don't usually podcast at night. I only usually podcast in the morning. And you saw I got up, I ran and locked the door. Uh, Fair enough. And then she tried to open it. Okay, so the people who became popular really recently are people who've been able to get themselves in, in the cage very frequently. You look at Izzy Adesanya. He fought a whole bunch of times leading up to his title run. You look at Chimeyev, same thing, right? He fought three times in 50 days. There's something about being in the cage over and over and over again, people getting used to you and getting familiar with you that is, that is hugely valuable hugely valuable to you as a fighter um, and your popularity. And which then obviously in turn is how much money you're going to make in the company. So um, I thought that would be interesting. I thought it would be a great storyline because then, you know, obviously I didn't know Khabib was going to retire because then you have this, hey, I beat Khabib's training partner and his protege. You have that whole thing going on. You have the whole thing of, hey, I took this fight on seven days notice. I don't really need to train. I'm going to beat these guys up. So I thought it would have had a lot of positive things going for it. But if he would have lost, though, you know, and he's looking for a top five opponent. What, where would his stock be if he would have lost that fight? Well, so again, another thing that I, I will, I will push back on is, and I, I honestly think I should own a consultancy company where I consult some of these UFC fighters on the decisions they're making with their opponents. Guys, you don't get paid based on what the other person is ranked. You don't. And lots of times, again, the more frequently you can get yourself in there the better off it's going to be. And listen, if he beats up the number 11 guy, or if he fights the number three guy, he's going to get the same amount of money. And theoretically, if you're fighting low rate people, it should be easier to get wins. So I don't really see this whole, I can only fight people if they're ranked really highly. I never, ever, ever understood that for the life of me. I just didn't get it. Um, and I still don't get it. I, I think, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you a great example. Um, Corey Anderson didn't want to fight Johnny Walker solely because Johnny Walker wasn't ranked that high. I said, Corey, they're giving this guy the, the freaking push. Like, they want to make him very popular. You go beat his ass, you're, you're going to steal his push. Go do it. And you think it's an easy fight for you, good. Go take it and go make it an easy fight. And look, he did. And then what happened? The fight after that, he was in a number one contender's fight. So he got to fight the number 12-ranked guy, who wasn't as good as some of the more highly-ranked guys. He got to beat him up. He got to steal his push. And then he got the number one title fight, right? Uh, number one title contender's fight. Obviously, he didn't win that, so he didn't fight for the title, but he put himself in a really good position just because he beat the number 12-ranked guy. Well, who do you think makes sense for Michael to make his debut against then? He was mentioning yeah. Tony Ferguson, obviously Justin Gaethje, and now with Habib retiring, uh, it seems like Dustin and Connor are going to fight. And then also there's you know Dan Hooker, there's Charles yeah. Oliveira. I just looked at Oliver's record. He's won seven in a row. I mean, he's like been sneaking yeah. up. I, I did not realize he had done such a streak. And a lot of finishes in there, too. Um, you know what? People are talking about a four-man tournament. What I would do, a lightweight, and you guys can comment if you like this or not, I, I would actually expand to an eight-man tournament. And, you know, you don't necessarily have to make it official if you don't want to, but you definitely could. I don't think you could put the strap on Connor. He's way too unreliable. Can't keep his dick in his pants. Who knows what's going to happen with him. Um, you don't want to put the strap on him, I don't think. So you make this eight-man tournament. Um, you, you can throw Connor in there, Dustin, Tony, Chandler, Charles Alvaro is a great one. Dan Hooker is a great one. Um, I'm sure I'm missing a few other really, really Paul good Paul Felder. Ones. 
Felder would be a good one. Uh, Mokchev or whatever the guy's damn name is, that would be another good one. So I think you can make a very compelling eight-man tournament. Um, I think that would be a great thing. You know, the UFC doesn't do tournaments. And I, and I don't think you should use tournaments as frequently as, say, Bellator did. But I think you can use them once in a while and it make really good use out of them. I completely agree with the tournament tournament format. I, I just don't understand why you can't even dabble with it. I understand that Bellator and other organizations use it, but like what you just said, why not experiment with it? Do it when you have a scenario yeah. like this where there's a belt completely up for grabs. Just see how it does. See how, Use it as a case study. Why not just have one? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you, again, you don't need to do a bunch, but... Are you gonna? Are you really gonna tell me in this situation if you say hey, we're throwing an eight man tournament together and our goal? You know what their goal needs to be? It needs to be, so Bellator. I don't think they can do it this crazy. Bellator needs to do an eight man tournament in three months. You're gonna fight. So like when I fought in it, I fought in April, I fought in May, and I fought in June. I mean, literally, I had, th- I had three fights within eight weeks. So then we go back to that earlier point I was making about you know when you can roll a guy out there more frequently, it's really good for his popularity because the fans get to know him. Um, I don't think you do it that quickly, but I think if you use backups, potentially, you could really easily do, um, you know, a fight, a, a first round, a second round, maybe 10, 10 to 12 weeks later, and then a third, third round, a final, another 10 to 12 weeks later. So you could wrap it all in, you know, somewhere between four and five months, I would guess. Fair enough. Yeah, that would be interesting. But um curious to also get your thoughts on Habib, though. And what you thought about his performance, his win over Justin Gaethje. Yeah, I, th- I thought his performance was tremendous. Um, you know, he actually lost the first round, but there was one of those, it was one of those rounds where I could definitely see how it scored for Gaethje, but there definitely felt to be an in, in, inevitability about the situation. You know, I don't know if you guys felt that way too. Just the pressure he was putting on. Sure, he was getting hit a little bit, but it wasn't really affecting him. And then obviously at the end of the round, he gets a takedown, he gets an amount. And it just felt to me an inevitability. That's a hard word to say. Uh, what was going to happen? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, he just looked outstanding. Um, when he was pulling the gloves up, I'm like, oh, shit, he's going to retire. And sure enough, he did. Um, I think maybe one fight. We all expected him to retire at 30 29 Man, it felt like a fitting ending. It was an outstanding performance. You have the story with his father. I mean, it, it felt like storybook. And I kind of hope he doesn't come back just because the ending was so awesome. Yeah, we were there. We were in yeah. the building. And just a couple of notes on that, because we haven't even made any p- kind of public statements on that. And this is the platform for us to do that. To, what to, to what you just said, um, he was not afraid of Justin Gaethje's power. It was like a no. first time. I remember him walking him down and going forward the entire time, which was different. But to that point, I will say this. Those leg kicks that Justin Gaethje was throwing and landing, they were eventually going to catch up. And maybe he was one or two more away. And that's why Habib was shooting. And that's why when he shot, you know, after that last leg kick, if you look at that fight in that second round, I don't know if Habib would have been standing if he could have endured too many more of those things. I think it, the, the damage was going to, if it was going to continue, it would have become that bad. Obviously, wow. it wasn't that bad, but if it would have continued, it would have been become that bad for sure. Wow. Also, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. Did you see that um, he fought with broken toes or a broken yeah. broke oh, toe? A, a broken, broken toe. toe. Sorry. That, that's savage. That's savage, though. He said, I'm going to fight on this day. I'm going to fight on this day. 
Tough shit if I got a broken toe. It's fantastic. And what's amazing, too, is I, I'm sure you've heard the story, too, that, you know, he had a position where he could put him in an arm bar, but he decided to do the triangle choke because of you don't want to make him look bad, break his arm or do anything because he knew Justin wasn't going to tap. He listened to his interviews early in the week uh, in front of his parents because his parents were in attendance for the fight, but also it was his father's favorite choke. So he, he did it in a way to honor really? his father. I didn't hear that thing about the father. Um Man, tremendous. Yeah, like I said, it, it was like the storybook performance. Can't really write it any better. Do you, were you going to say something? Do you agree that he should be number one ranked pound for pound? Because now he's number <laughs> one, and John Jones has been tweeting because now John's number two. John Jones is pissed, let me tell you. Um, you know what? Brian and I, uh, front row Brian and I, we have a podcast together on the Rockfin Network, which is eventually where I think you guys should put your content. But that's a, con- a conversation for another day. I just put up the post. We do these uh, audiograms. I just put it on my Instagram here uh, where we argue it. Um, you know, Eileen Khabib, he leans John. Um, I'm not dumb enough to realize that John has a very, very compelling argument. He definitely does. Just for me, um, the performance enhancing failures, uh, drug test failures multiple times, which Khabib never had. Um, and Khabib's Russian, so he might be cheating, but he got a good <laughs> guy to get away with it or something. I'm not sure. Um, with, with those, with the off the, without the out of the cage stuff, and then with the last few fights, which, you know, a lot of people think he lost the Reyes fight, and then obviously the Tiago Santos fight was very close. Um, Man, Khabib was just kind of, I don't want to say flawless, but he kind of was flawless in his career. Yeah, I mean, here's where I stand on this, because we've had both Jeff Nowitzki and Dana White in this studio and this podcast, and John Jones has come up both times. From the Jeff Nowitzki standpoint, we've talked about the the, the drug testing and everything like that, the picograms yeah. and everything like that. But honestly, what John Jones has really been busted for has not really been the performance-enhancing drugs. It's been the Well, the he did co- once, right? Well, it was in the system, and then I rewatched the interview, and I rewatched Jeff Nowitzki's interview because remember UFC 232. You know he had served yeah. that 15 month suspension, and then they found that the trace amounts were it would be like if you put salt in like a Olympic sized swimming pool, it would just uh, be from a lace that. supplement. Like covered for him on that one, Schmo. Well, look, hey, <laughs> I'm not in schmo form right now, Ben. But look, at the end of the day, I, I understand that. And I, I'll listen to both sides of the argument. For the pound-for-pound okay. pound rankings, um, for how John has come off his most recent performances, you know, like what you just said with the Reyes fight, yeah. the Tiago Santos fight, and then how Habib just dominates his opponents, I'm not upset or anything disagreeing with Habib being number one pound for pound in the world. Here's what does get me though, for people just now automatically anointing Habib, the goat, the greatest MMA fighter, UFC fighter, you name it of all time. I find that pretty kind of, you know, just what were the situation we're in in modern times. We live in a society. It's what would you done with me lately? Dana White's been on this podcast. I said, who's your Mount Rushmore of MMA? He, he puts his Mount Rushmore list. Habib was not on it. John Jones is his goat. Yes. And John Jones is Dana White's goat. And now John Jones is not Dana White's goat. Habib's goat. So now you're trying to sit here and tell me that Justin Gaethje and he's an amazing fighter. Dana White has never changed his mind or told a lie. 
<laughs> well, 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 look, I love Justin Gage. He's a fantastic fighter, you know, interim lightweight champion. He might become the lightweight champion, but you're trying to tell me that beating Justin Gaethje now makes Sabine Narmagomedov the GOAT of MMA, surpassing a GSP and Anderson Silva or a John Jones. That body of work, you know, four title defenses yeah. versus... Versus John Jones, who has 15. I think GSP has 13. Now you're trying to tell me Habib's the GOAT? Yeah. It's, it's, hey, it's a great argument. Um, the other thing that I did not realize, uh, the other thing I didn't realize is that I remember, Habib didn't fight from 24, April of 2014 to April of 2016. And I guess I, I blanked that he was out for that long um, until I looked at it last night. But I remember... Um, Anthony Pettis, I was in the cage when he defended his, well, I was in the cage. I was next to the cage, uh, when he defended his title against Gilbert Melendez in December of 14. And I very, very clearly remember, uh, thinking Khabib was front row. And I remember thinking Khabib is going to be next for Anthony and I'm going to be helping Anthony prepare because obviously my style is very similar to what Khabib does. Um, and then he didn't actually win the title until I believe 2017. So it kind of is wild how, um, you know, he was at that level and he didn't get the, the title belt till much, much later. Actually, For example, it was, go ahead. It was 2018 against Ally Quinta. Yeah, even worse. And the guy who won the title from Anthony in March of 15 was RDA and, and Khabib had shut out RDA in, in April of 2014. That was the last fight before that layoff. So, you know, there's an easy argument to be made saying that you know, Khabib could have potentially won the title in 2015 and held it, which, you know, I think would make his argument more compelling for GOAT. That's that's a very, very good point. Um, and there, Conor McGregor did not want, he held off from fighting Khabib for a long time. You know, there was a lot of times he held off from fighting Habib and Habib could have fought. But also to that point, too, is if you look at Habib, how many times did he fight three times in a year? You just brought up a point for Bellator. You had a tournament. You fought three times in like that was awesome. of six months. <laughs> how many times has Habib fought three times in his career in one year? Uh, man, it was, I was blown away by, I'm going to look it up now. because 2013. 2013? But it was, yeah, it's wild how infrequently he fought. Um, so he fought, I'm almost there. Okay. He fought once in 2020, once in 2019, twice in 2018, once in 2017, twice in 2016, zero times in 2015, one time in 2014. So, yeah, I mean, largely inactive. He did fight. This was wild. He fought one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times in 2011. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's yeah, what Chamayev is trying to do. FC. <laughs> I mean, listen, that, there's something to be said for that where and I think a lot of young fighters can take note, just like stay ready and just tell the UFC, like, you need, especially right now, you need someone to throw in there, throw me in there. I'm ready. Like, rolling them out over and over again. You know, another guy who made a living on that was Cowboy. I mean, that was one of the reasons he became the star that he was. 100%. Sure. Um, but speaking of Hamzat Chemaev and the welterweight division, you being a welterweight, we did want to talk about that. And you brought up a really good point earlier, how we kind of opened up this segment with you coming on. Yeah. You talked about how the rankings do not matter and should not matter. And Leon Edwards, Leon Edwards has held out and so many times and I guess turned down a lot of different opponents just due to the rankings. And until he was kind of forced out of the rankings and uh, finally accepting this fight with Hamzat Chemaev, I found that completely fascinating. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. 
Well, that that's a great guy. That's a great example of a guy who sabotaged his own career. I mean, this guy's been sitting on the bench for like 16 months now or something. It's, it's been a while. Um, because a handful, I mean, one of it was bad luck. I believe that his fight got canceled, uh, because of Corona. But besides that, obviously I've heard, like you've heard, um, that he's turned down a whole bunch of fights and listen, Chimaev, Chimaev's full of steam. And if he beats up Chimaev, whether Chimaev and, you know, Chimaev's looked good so far, but he has not beat a ranked guy. So we don't know exactly how good he is. Um, if he beats up Chimaev, he's fighting for the title next. I, I think there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I can see that completely. Um, yeah. what, what's taken so long to book uh, Kobe Covington and Jorge Masvidal? Don't you think that that fight is next next in line to happen? I, and I, I don't think George wants to do it. What do, do you? you think that's... Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, obviously, those two have history. Those two were teammates. They were good friends. And, uh, you know... I, you haven't heard much about it. You really haven't even heard uh, him talk about it. I find that pretty fascinating. Yeah, I mean, obviously, what what goes along with him not wanting to do it is, uh, and then being friends in old chambers, they know how those training sessions went. They have a very good idea. And generally speaking, if one party wants it and the other party does not, I mean, you're given a very clear indication that they both kind of know what happened. Um now, obviously, George is never going to admit that, but that that's what that tells me. If George beat Colby up every day and Colby wants his fight, um, George is going to say yes. Why wouldn't he? Well, what about the champ, Usman and Gilbert Burns? What about that fight? It was supposed to be, uh, what, nobody, nobody in a cares. few weeks, right? Why do you say nobody cares? I mean, they're former teammates. <laughs> is it even happening? For real? It, it is going to happen. It just hasn't See, been announced. I think it, it's, you know, it's. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you think Nick Diaz well, will be coming back in 2021? I don't know. What do you, you guys are more on the pulse than I am. What do you guys think? Well, you know, he's in USADA, he's in the USADA protocol. The, the Diaz brothers fight when they want to fight. And um, <laughs> I just think it's one of those things where his name's going to pop up. You're just not going to know it's going to come out of left field. It's going to be the right opponent, the right time. Just like, for example, did you see Chamaya fighting Leon Edwards? Did you see that fight happening? Not, I thought there's a better chance. Uh, yeah, but I thought there's a better chance of uh, Leon Edwards fighting uh, uh, Wonder Boy, Stephen uh, Thompson, before Same. that happened. Ooh, that makes sense. Uh, that, which also is a good fight. Um, yeah, I guess, I don't know. I guess no one really cares about Usman and Burns. And as far as Nick Diaz is concerned, if he is in the USADA testing pool, um, and he was not previously, which I, I don't know. I did not look. Uh, he never left. He never left he never, apparently. Oh, okay. Well then that, then that doesn't tell me much. Um, it's kind of surprising. Well, I guess you can smoke weed out of competition with the USADA. So it's not really a big deal for him. Uh, cause he doesn't do other, he doesn't do PEDs. So, but it would be annoying to have to keep filling out those damn form reports to make sure you don't get suspended and just be ready and available. Anytime they show up to your home yeah, and want to take a sample, they want to uh -huh. do that. Uh, while we got you too, what do you make of the, uh, Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. Fight November 28th? Are you excited for that one? Uh, uh, I don't know what to make of it. I uh, I guess I'm kind of interested in it, you would say. Uh, but, man, they're both so old. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know what to make of it. And well, Will you be watching? Yeah, but it is the same um, night as Curtis Blades and, and Derek, uh, Derek Lewis. Lewis, fight night. Oh. Um, 
Yeah, I'll, I'll probably watch. I don't, say, I don't know what I'm doing that day, but yeah, probably. We'll say probably. They you guys going to watch? Yeah, uh, you have to. I mean, Mike Tyson. Mike freaking Tyson. <laughs> ben looks thrilled. <laughs> Living so legend. Excited. I just want to watch wrestling. We got wrestling coming back, Schmo. It's fantastic. I know. I saw Henry Cejudo was at the, a wrestling tournament over in Iowa. Were you at the uh, tournament? No, he was. it was South Carolina last week in Myrtle Beach. Um, I don't know what he was doing there because I don't believe he coaches. We had five coaches there. I was not there. Um, and I'll be in Iowa. I'm coaching in Iowa this weekend. Des Moines. Des Moines, Iowa. Yes, sir. A- excellent. Excellent. Mm-hmm. There is a fight this weekend. Anderson Silva's last UFC fight. I see, so we got we had a lot of that? fights this weekend. We got uh, Bellator on Thursday, one championship on Friday, and UFC on Saturday. Isn't that tremendous? Hey, you and know, wrestling, right? That you just mentioned. Well, I mean, you guys don't care about that. <laughs> That's my you care about. though. I care deeply about that, but um, yeah, no, it, sh- it should be fun. I'm looking forward to uh, all of those cards. I think Lima versus Musasi is interesting. Uh, there's a few title fights in one championship, and then obviously Anderson Silva, Uriah Hall is going to be fun. So yeah, uh, we got a busy weekend. I love the the Lima Musasi fight. Yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. a middleweight championship fight. I'm really excited for that fight. Absolutely. Well, hey guys, I got to run, but you guys need to have me on again. This is a tremendous show, and uh, you know we should talk about moving this podcast over to uh, to, Rock to Rockfin. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. No, we appreciate you hopping on. This is exactly what we wanted. Um, next time we got to test the audio before it starts. Yeah, that's okay. I, I got a nice microphone here and I got headphones. I, I don't know why it did not work when, uh, when I came on initially. It's totally okay. We appreciate you coming on, Ben. And, uh, you're the man and we'll be in touch really soon. All right. Sounds good, buddy. See ya. Take care. Thank you. That's Ben Askren. You know, his headphones weren't working that whole time. I know. I forgot to tell him that you have a naked statue of him next to your bed. I wasn't going to say it. Oh, okay. and it's not him. It's, it's, the, <laughs> it looks just like him. It's the David got that in Italy <laughs> when I was studying abroad there in college. I used to have a question about that though. How come his face is face towards you? Like it's face towards the bed. That's Does good, that mean anything? It's good luck. I don't know. Like he watches you when you sleep and he's naked. I've had that statue since 2011, 2012, 2011. And uh, it's, I've, I've had good luck since then. I like okay. it. It's, it's a Greek uh, statue. They're always that way. It's sculpture. It's art. It's art. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess it's like when we open our door, I have the jade, like the dragon, you know, that statue. That's true. That's true. I do like that. So what'd you think of Ben? You know, he's, uh, what'd you, th- his thoughts? I've always agreed with having a tournament, never yeah, something like the 165 tournament. Yes. That was a tournament you proposed. Yes, that is. And Ben Askren was there at the press conference too, for the 165 oh pound gosh. weight question. It's crazy. That was only a year and a half ago. And just looking at the landscapes, right, of the all the divisions since then and how much they've changed. It's crazy. This is the best time in mixed martial arts. This is the best time in combat sports. There are so many different storylines, so many different stars. It's international. It's expanding. Yeah. There will be a time, too, where the UFC goes to places like India 
you know, just different yeah. parts of the world to put on fights that they haven't been to yet. And we're going to see that and we're living through it and we love it. I know. Just like Fight Island. Fight Island. Let's go back Great to talking experience. about it. So uh, I wish we had more time to talk about it before Ben hopped on, but it's totally fine. You go with the flow. You <laughs> live in the moment. You live in the moment. You make it happen. So let's let's give the listeners some kind of behind the scenes of the Fight Islands. Um, we've now been there three different times. Uh, it's like an eight-mile radius that they block off. we probably taken all to date. I did the math because we get tested every week to do these UFC events. We've probably taken around 85 COVID-19 tests. Yeah, because the last week. And last we week were... alone, we took probably eight tests uh, at uh, just right there for five. They had three last week alone leading up to the fight. We have to get into quarantine. We have to take two in 40, a 48-hour span. We have to take one on the plane just to get over there to make sure that we are free before we fly over to Fight Island. But I love how passionate just everybody in that bubble is for the sport of mixed martial arts. Mm -hmm. It's you're literally living and breathing in a zone in a combat sport zone. That's all for this purpose. And it felt like something so much bigger. Like it felt like we had eyes on us throughout the world. And just that little place, the Yas Island, the fight Island where we were and the fighters had this extra pep in the step, this extra fight. There was always just this jazz, this buzz in the air. Um, everyone just went after it and gave it their all. And it was just such an amazing environment to be a part of. Absolutely. And I love, and what I noticed too, was their attention to detail, right? And didn't you feel sometimes that no matter where we were or what we were saying, it was like, people knew what was going on, right? Like the hotel employees and everyone, like they were just very, very attentive. Very attentive. Uh, they definitely follow us. They knew what we were up to. Yeah. They knew who we were speaking to. Uh, they knew a lot about the sport. There's so much different respect. Sure. Uh, for example, this most recent fight, UFC 254, that region is dominated by Habib Narmagomedov fans. Yes. They love him. But the level of respect that they showed to Justin Gaethje and his family, you know, they, they celebrated him like he was a championship fighter himself too. Like he wasn't an enemy, like he was an ally. And, and the level of respect that you saw and just after the fights too, and this is what I want to mention too, uh, the fighter hotel is the W hotel after the fights, literally everybody gets together and drinks and have beers together. I know Robert Whitaker, Jared, Jared Cannonier. So we just, just, just for reference for everybody out there who, who saw that picture on social media of Jared Cannonier, he's in his cast. He broke his arm, unfortunately through that fight. And he takes the picture of uh, Robert Whitaker. We went up to Jared. We were talking to Jared cause yeah. we were, we had just interviewed Michael Chandler. We're hanging out with him and his manager downstairs. And as we we're leaving, we went and we saw, uh, Jerry Cannonier, we bumped into him. We were talking to him. He asked us what we thought about the fight. And, you know, we gave him our honest assessment, what we thought of it and everything of that nature. Man, I wish that fight was five rounds, by the way. I know. I wish that was a five round fight because Jared was a dog and he yeah. was going for it. And he was looking better. Even, even though through he a, broke his... Even though he had a broken arm, he was still fighting. He was still going through and forward. Uh, but after that, he was like, you know, he's talking about the fight. And then uh, he's like, yeah, I wish I could go, you know, up to Robert Whitaker, get a photo with him. I, I just, you know, he's probably up in his room playing video games. I'm like, actually, no, he's right over there. And I point to him in the back room. He's with Tai Tuivasa, you know, probably 
Two and Chewies. Two and Chewies and like 12 bears in. Ty was having a great time. Amazing knockout, by I the way. Know. I don't even know oh if he got gosh. a bonus. There's so many people that didn't get a bonus that probably should have gotten a bonus. Yeah. Everyone should have gotten a bonus. That fight card was amazing. They're all great, but... Um, then he went over there and he took the photo. He didn't know I idea know. that Robert Whitaker was in the bar. So that photo, in a way, was kind of set up by you in a way or yeah. directed a little bit. Yeah. Guided. You, you know, what I just appreciate is that we're a part of the scene, that we are part yeah. of the environment. We're part of the atmosphere. Uh, you know, this is such a, a treacherous time and, uh, you know, what's going on in our world. And we're aware of it. We're no, mm-hmm. and we're very fortunate that we can continue to grind and do what we do, you know, pivot, adapt, and go to Fight Island, grind to find sponsors so we can yeah. afford to to go to Fight Island, continue to do this podcast. You know, it's it's beautiful to do it here in studio, but hey, when we have to do it outdoors uh, at the venue at the W Hotel with Megan Olivia and just use our portable microphone, we'll make it work. We'll get one of these out every week. Yeah. So shout out to all the fans, all the supporters. I know in the beginning I went on a bit of a rant <laughs> to a, a small minority of them. Yes. And to all of you out there, um, do I read comments? Maybe, maybe not. Sometimes. You do sometimes. Sometimes. But at the I end of the day, do. look, if you like me, or you hate me, I don't mind. I, I do appreciate you commenting though, because that just dries up the algorithm. I love that. Keep <laughs> keep talking about it. Continue to make it the conversation. Yeah, we I'd appreciate much it. rather have you talking about it, talking about what I'm doing, whether you, whether you like it or not like it, than not saying anything at all. So I do appreciate that. So to the haters, to the lovers, I love you all. Yeah, thank you. And also earlier to Ben, I mentioned Anderson Silva fight. I know you posted that video on your YouTube. I did. And I, that video I posted on my YouTube today, I had never posted it before. It was just on my Instagram. And I know where you're going with this, Helen. So I promised you we'd bring it up on the podcast. So we're going to bring it up on the podcast. That day was January of 2019. That was the day Anderson Silva had an open workout. He was going to Australia to fight Israel Otisanya. And you and I were both Mm -hmm. there to interview him. You had tried for three weeks, not yeah. tried. Well, but you I, I went back and forth. Yeah. Coordinated with the PR for almost three weeks to get that interview. And they said, yes. Um, and then the day, you know, he did his open workout. There were a lot of media there. I know there are some like boxing media, media that I've seen in the boxing community as well there. And afterwards they're like, you know, uh, basically after the open workout, they kind of shut everything down and um, told me to, you know, stay back. And then so I could get my one-on-one interview. And then I see David and we are not dating at the time, but it's crazy because it was like a week or two later, we went on our first date and then became inseparable. And then we became, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend. Yes. But uh, you're missing a big part of the story here for, for how that all came about. So Jason Malone, shout out to him. He was (laughs) one filming for me. He was my videographer for the, um, our independent station, how I was credentialed for him. Uh, when I first started out to do this stuff, 
I did my 90 second interviews. You allowed me to go first with Anderson Silva. Yeah, because you're like, oh, can I, can I just get 90 seconds? Because at the time I was doing everything by myself, holding the camera, shoot, film, edit, write, host. So I'm carrying the camera. And then when you're like 90 seconds, I'm like, hey, I was like, who is this schmo? Right. So I'm like, okay. And then I, I thought to myself, well, it'll give me 90 more seconds to set up. Right. And um, like you, the only difference, right, you, I will give you all the credit. She was, a, you know, the, the single person doing, holding the camera and everything like that. Uh, we both hustled our asses off just to get in there and to make things happen. So I just, you know, pull my strings with Jason just to find a way to get in there to do the interview in the first place. You allowed me to do it. I did my 90 seconds. But afterwards... Uh, you didn't have a ride back, and uh, that's when you hit me up to get a ride from me. We both did like a Calvin Gastelum luncheon right after yeah. that for what the UFC held, and then you came back to me uh, to my brother's apartment where I was living in the time in Los Angeles, and that was the first time we hung out. So you initiated that. And, uh... No, well, <laughs> here, here's the behind the scenes of that. So shout out to Mikey Williams, top-ranked photographer, ESPN. He's awesome, but... He was my ride from the airport to Anderson Silva's uh, workout. Yeah, because yeah. I literally flew there that day. It was a one-day round trip for me. So afterwards, when I um, got there, then he said he had to like go to lunch with his wife or something. So he wasn't able to take me to Kelvin Gastelum's thing, then back to the airport to go home. Um, and then that's when, you know... I asked you because I was like, oh, he he seems so, you know, kind, so nice. It's so the eyes, harmless. right? Everyone thinks I got <laughs> the innocent eyes. And, and then that night after, because you made really good schnitzel, I still remember. <laughs> good, good schnitzel. That's my, uh, my, my go-to meal to cook at home. That's how he got me. And then remember you would send me during that time because we started off long distance and then you would send me like food pics of like your cooking skills yeah it's better than dick pics right <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah no so, no so, dick pics. No. of course so um no i lo- love to cook and yeah of course so Wait. we did that that's how we met that's how we did that but just to kind of go full circle a part of this journey is just Going there, showing up, investing in yourself, right, to make things happen. During those days, I was losing so much money just to get my foot through the door to make this thing work. And, um, you know, I know how hard you were grinding at the radio station here locally in Las Vegas. Yeah, because... everything happens for a reason. And you have to be positive and you just make things happen. And... What's crazier is a month before that, before the Anderson Silva thing, uh, that event, my car broke down. My car broke down and because I needed a new transmission and that's so I've seen you around like in 2018, like here and there, but we've never talked. Then I remember in December, it was the John Jones because his presser got moved there and my car broke down and I had to literally Uber everywhere. And because I'm like, I can't miss this presser. I can't, you know, miss these interviews. And again, I was doing everything by myself for the radio station at the time. And I remember then I sat next to you 
because uh, they had that presser that day and there was an open seat next to you and I was so freaking stressed out during that trip. And then after that, then the Anderson Silva and that's when we finally, you know, really hung out and everything. And I'm very grateful for you. Thank you. I'm grateful for you too. And uh, I remember though, um, we also hung out at the Pacquiao Thurman boxing fight too here in Vegas. Oh yeah. And I said, I really like their hot dogs. Yeah. That's, that's what <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, this girl's never had a real hot dog. And then we went, ended up going to Chicago at UFC 238 and we had a real hot dog. So, uh, shout out to Gene and Jude's best hot dog yeah, with French fries. Put yeah. the French fries in the hot dog. They do but, it right. But like you said, you know, everything's a grind. But I think for me at least, you know, it feels better knowing, you know, just how much like you've grinded and seeing the hard work pay off and knowing that, you know, it's like you're literally blood, sweat and tears went to it and to see everything start growing. Right. You can't expect anybody to do anything for you, uh, you know, for so many different so many different times I've been blown off from NBC, ESPN, Fox Sports, all the major networks, so many different people. I've, I've tried so many years to just be a part of a network. And finally, finally, when something clicked was when, you know, a couple of years ago, I said, look, I'm just going to do it myself. And this is a changing industry. This is a changing time. And, uh, look where we are. Look what we've built. It's not easy. I don't know how to tell someone what to do during a pandemic, but you just have to dare to be different and you have to continue to believe in yourself because if you don't believe in yourself, no one else will. When you say dare to be different, I love it, right? And the schmo is very different, but something that I've noticed kind of from the outside looking in, uh, you've given a lot of people hope Right. And that they can be different, but they, what I notice at least try to be like you, which I think what you say dare to be different is be yourself because I've noticed a lot of people try to be like you minus the yellow glasses, but like how they try to come off and stuff. And it's, you could tell it's not authentically them. And I can vouch for it where the schmo is an extension of David Schmolenson. It's, it is you. Look, I, I've <laughs> seen, I've seen it even today in the car. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, it's true. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. If you continue to try to follow someone else's lead, you're always going to be behind that person, yeah. but, but you can't worry about anybody else. You just got to worry about yourself and how you can continue to evolve and be authentic and be different. And I've said this before on the podcast, and I say this all the time, the who cares the least holds the most power. Like if you go through life just taking chances and having confidence, sure, you're going to strike out. Sure, you're going to fail. But that's how you learn. The times you get knocked down and you get back up, that's how you get stronger. So when I say the who cares least holds all the power is if... I'm not saying just go lollygag and be carefree. No, but just, you know, be worry-free and take those risks and take the chances, take the leap of faith, and you'll be surprised how far you can really go. Because if it doesn't happen that day for you, it may happen the next day, it may happen the next week, it may happen the next year, it may happen the next few years. But inevitably, if you stay the course, it will happen. Very well said. Yes. Well said. And that you are a perfect example of that. I do need those words for my swimming. Your swimming will get there. As you were bringing up um, Kasha. Kasha, your training partner, 
uh, what, seventh all time in the world in the 50 yeah. free in and her she, race. Now you have someone to train with. Now you have something to look forward to uh, when she gets back. So uh, keep grinding on your Olympic dreams, Helen. Thank you. And when I say train, I also have to say, like, she kicks my ass. I tell everybody. But I, you know, I'm keeping it real. Like, she's the best in the world. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be able to, you know, swim next to her and to have her support and to watch her success. Again, I said it earlier on in the show, I do believe she will take home the gold medal in 2021 Tokyo Olympics. And I'm so honored and proud to, you know, call her my friend and just very grateful because she's been such a great support system. You're the you are the reason I'm back in swimming. Um, but to meet someone like Kasha, I'm just, you know, so, so, so thankful because she's such a positive spirit and a very positive, kind person and just very, very genuine. How do people follow her? What's her name? Kasha Wasik. Let me pull it up on yes. Instagram. And, because... and, and as she's pulling up on Instagram, um, how did you meet her again? You had no idea what to do and i said why don't you reach out to her on instagram you reached out to her on instagram now you two are close friends and and that's the point you have nothing to lose and everything to gain like she could have just said no what's the worst anything can the worst anyone could ever say to you in life is no and then you just find a different way or a different person or whatever and then we instantly click so it's caught wilk w-i-l-k kasha k-a-s-i-a um because Wastik, it's her husband's last name. Wilk is her last gotcha. name. Gotcha. Yeah. That's how you find her. Um, she represents Poland. Yeah. But trains here out of Las Vegas. And shout out to her coaches, Ben Lors, Patrick Oda. They're awesome people, too. Great. Well, the Schmozone podcast episode 39. We had a Skype guest in. Our Skype, well, you know, we, we threw him in here. I don't know if it was Skype. I don't know Zoom. It was the the Switcher Studio. Um, we'll make it more perfect next time. Um, we have a guest that we do virtually. We're still learning. We want to keep mm-hmm. it different every single time. Um, Helen? Per- perfectly imperfect. Perfectly imperfect. Final thoughts, Helen? Just really grateful for everything. And, you know, thank you guys for the continued support. Like David said, Good comments, bad comments. We love it all. Yes. So thank and, uh, you. Yes. And <laughs> go to the schmozone.com and get some merch. Get your schmozone t shirt and get a schmo mask. Everyone has to wear face masks when they're indoors. Get a schmo mask if you like it. If you're truly a fan of this podcast, go get the schmozone t shirt. We're going to wear it on another podcast. We're going to wear it all that We wear it every Friday it's at the, the UFC Wayne. It's the perfect holiday gift. It is. Be it the is. schmo for Halloween. Well, let's see some pics. Real, real quick, <laughs> I'm being the schmo for Halloween. Yellow glasses, the schmo yellow glasses. I'm working on this line. I know I've been saying it for so long. This is like five years in the making. We will have schmo glasses for sale by this holiday season. I guarantee it. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. The real things, what I wear in the interviews, they will be for sale. Mark my words, they are coming. I cannot wait. Stay tuned. Episode 39. We are out. <laughs> 